Hello, everybody. This is Patrick Pollock with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. I just wanted to take a few moments before episode 13 with Lavisa Clark from K-12 to say thank you to all the guests that have come on so far. I hope they've given you some great insight in the world of being an educator. This pandemic has shown us the value of the teacher in the classroom. And I think many people were shocked with the level of what a teacher really has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. That was really my goal in starting this podcast. I hope that we can continue to give you great content, great insight from great educators, teachers, administrators alike, so you too can have a better understanding of the world of education. Again, I want to say thank you to all our guests that have come on so far. Again, you can find us on Podbean at theeverydayteacher.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by just typing in The Everyday Teacher. In addition, you can follow my blog at theeverydayteacher.edublogs.com. Well, let's get into episode 13. Keep learning. Hello, everybody. This is Patrick Falk with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. This is episode 13. And I'm very excited to have uh, somebody who's actually had a huge impact on my career in the virtual space in really the last couple of months. And since then, uh, she's been very kind with her time with me, and uh, it's been a, a great uh, relationship so far. Miss Lavisa Clark with K12. Lavisa, how are you doing today? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing great. How are you? It's Monday, Monday when we're recording this, and uh, it sounds like you're already having like four Mondays, so. (laughs) It's been a busy morning, yes, or afternoon it is now. Yeah, well, I appreciate you spending time with us on the podcast, so let's dive right in, because I know your time is valuable. What's What's been your path to education? So, like, where did you start, and then how did you end up where you're at today? Um, Well, it's not typical, I'll say that. I um, grew up in Appalachian Mountains and um, was the first person in my family to actually go to college. So when I went into college, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing and I had no guidance on what to do or a major to pick. So, but I was really, really good at math. So I chose math as my major, not knowing or having any idea what to do with that. And my grandfather actually said to me um, about my senior year in college, you know, you would be an awesome teacher. And I thought, that's kind of scary. I don't believe you. And I went to a, um, a job fair, and there were schools there searching for teachers. And the minute that you say, I have a math degree, they're like, oh, we def- desperately need math teachers in high school. So I got hired as what they call lateral entry in some places, where I had a degree in a content area, but not necessarily a teaching degree. Right. So I um, was hired at a new tech high school, which is all project-based learning all the time. So uh-huh. it kind of worked out. I didn't need that teaching degree because everything that I learned how to do in teaching was different than what I may have been told. Sure. Um, but I did go, I did take night classes those first couple of years because obviously I was still 21, 22 at the time and did end up getting certified um, and, and taking those courses. But um, that is my off the beat path, how I ended up teaching in the first place. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it is weird because you look through EdJoin, for example, and, and there's, there's such 
a demand for math. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know as well as I do, it takes a special kind of person to teach math. Um, and you really have to love it. I mean, one yeah. of my favorite teachers was my algebra one teacher who happened to also be the wrestling coach, oh, great. but which, um, but he was magnificent and he could come in and be like, Hey, what are we doing today? Not a problem. And then bing, bada, boom, boom, boom. And everybody was like, okay, I totally get it. And, and, and I have certainly had my fair share of math teachers where it was like, Mm-hmm. No idea what you're talking about. You couldn't draw me an image, let alone tell me what to do. So um, we, we definitely math, science as well. We need that, that special kind of person teaching our kids. So we're going to talk about project-based learning in a moment, which okay. now I'm a huge fan of. So why don't you explain, first of all, what K-12 is. Okay. Which I'm, I'm I'm a member of, obviously at, at at my school, California Virtual Academies and Destination Career Academy. So explain what K twelve is, and then how did you end up there, uh, doing what you do, and then just go into that, like and what you do for K twelve. Absolutely. Um, so K twelve is a virtual education company, um, but there's quite a few sectors. K twelve has schools like the one where you are teaching, where um, it's all virtual learning and the curriculum is provided from K-12. We also have managed public schools, so there are some brick and mortar schools out there that um, buy curriculum from K-12 and get support from K-12. And there are a few private academies as well that K-12 runs. Um, I ended up here, kind of a similar story off the beat. Um, I taught for many years. My husband is in the army, so we have moved quite a few times. So each and every time that we would move to a new state, I would have to start teaching at a new school. Eventually we ended up um, right outside of DC in Northern Virginia and um, I started doing instructional coaching there and was a lead project-based learning teacher. From there we went to North Carolina and I was a um, district curriculum math person so I helped all sixth through twelfth grade in math and we found out we were about to move again. Um, When we found that out we um, I started looking for some virtual jobs because this would have been my eighth career change at this point and I'm super lucky because I was just doing honestly internet searches and found project-based learning support specialists and I thought that would be a dream position for me to get to work with teachers that are doing project-based learning and I'm super blessed that I went through the process and was offered the job and that's that's how I ended up here I've been here for about um 19 months now, I guess, with K-12. Right. Yeah. Nice, nice. No, and um, again, just what I've seen so far is how, at least in the virtual space, how project-based learning um, has, is out there and how it can be integrated. Um, again, I'm looking, I'm very excited about uh, participating in that this year. Um, again, I've been very fortunate that, again, you know, LaVisa has spent, her time, her, her free time with me to kind of help, you know, hold my hand and, and wean me a little along in the process. But it's, it's such a, it's such a good gig. And in, in when we, we're going to talk more about project-based learning here in a bit, it, just so you, so you guys can have an understanding of, of what exactly it looks like. And if you have a job, you know exactly what we're talking about. So, um, so it, 
So let's kind of expand your role. You said a minute ago, you get to work with other teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you would agree with this, and you don't have to if you don't want to, but teachers make the worst students. They really do. And, 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 and it's because when we go into professional development, we have our laptop, we have our phone, we have a stack of papers, and we're quote unquote multitasking. And, and as, as, you know, as, as Angie's having me read the four discipline, keys of discipline, you know, that book. And, you know, the first thing it says multitasking, it doesn't exist. You know, it's, it, all you're doing is, is, is doing a bunch of stuff with not, you know, it's full attention. So, right. so I guess I'll ask the question this way, you know, how big of a challenge is it to work with teachers or tr- cause you're teaching the teachers mm-hmm. something you taught me, you taught a group of us. Um, so what, what challenge could that bring you? And then, you know, overall, you know, how does, you know, how important is it for teachers to have someone like you as a resource? Um, I think you're exactly right. The culture of education in our country in the first place trains teachers to do as much as possible, as often as possible. Um, We, many people know, completely underfunded in education. So we're going to give as many students to the least amount of teachers as possible. So teachers are systematically trained to multitask constantly. So that's exactly what happens, especially um, I I do a lot of face-to-face pre-COVID professional developments. um, And even in those scenarios, teachers are sitting there desperately trying to finish things. They know if they don't get to, it's just going to pile up. Um, So yeah, a lot of times, not by their own fault, teachers can be um, very hard to get to during a professional development. In the virtual space, um, it seems like it's easier sometimes because people don't have to have their cameras on. So I don't know if they're sitting there really paying attention to me or if they are grading on the side or or what's Mm -hmm. going on. Um, But I think the purpose of all of that, even it's it's kind of like being a teacher in the classroom, even if um, the professional development that the teachers involved do not get 100% of the content, if they get a part of it enough to get excited like you did then that's that's worthwhile um and to your second question how important is it for teachers to have this uber important because like i said i came straight out of college super young into a new tech high school and was told teach math through projects and that was about as much guidance as i was given in that time (laughs) Uh, because 15 years ago You couldn't Google math PBL. It was such a new concept, right? So things weren't built for you. So um, just having someone that's been through it. Sometimes that's what a lot of my job turns into is just a teacher being able to say, I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm frustrated, I'm overwhelmed. Um, Just having a support person, not even necessarily for content or project building or curriculum, but just someone that's not observatory, that's not their administrator, that they can say, this is what's going on. This is where I'm going crazy. And that support person can say, Oh, yep. I've been right there. This is what happened to me. And this is how I manage that. Right. So, I mean, in, in this kind of continue, continue along those lines is like, I've, I've been blessed number one to have great mentor teachers, 
people mm-hmm. have done it for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And then when I've gone from one school to the next, I've been able to essentially latch on to someone who has just done it longer and quite frankly, just does it better. And mm-hmm. then to be able to tap into those resources. And when I went from my first school to my second school, I was put in a situation where their expectation of college prep level courses was mm-hmm. like AP light. I mean, it was very high demand, lots of writing. And, and I've, I've definitely shared some of that with you, like some of my ideas coming through into this. And, but to be able to lean on those people, even still today, I can pick them up and say, Hey, I want to bounce this idea off you. And they're willing with their time. And I think, kids, because for the most part, that's who might be getting into teaching these days, those 20-somethings, you know, if anything, I hope the curriculum program they're going through, or the credential program, excuse me, they're going through, is really hammering that point home. You have to seek out those who've done it longer than you, embrace every, you know, resource that you can uh, have access to, to get uh, to get a leg up i mean Absolutely. i'm a i'm a resource i'm a resource hound i mean i, I think i've kind of kind of proven that to you. <laughs> so you know and i'm just like more and more and more and i just i just i just i i hope a lot of my colleagues now and it sounds like because we've made the choice to kind of go the direction we're going mm-hmm. you know everybody's kind of on board but at the same time I wish my other colleagues in, in, in the other campuses, you know, were more gung-ho about it, you know? Right. Absolutely. So. And it's hard. I, I think some of that goes back to what we were talking about. Um, something new means work. Yeah. And when you're already super worked, learning um, a new way to do things takes a lot of investment. Um, so really getting that buy-in. And, and a lot of times, I know we're going to talk about projects in a moment, but a lot of times it takes um, – seeing the fruitfulness of it before the mm-hmm. buy-in happens. Yeah. And so do you think that's the typical pushback then from, from the teachers that you've worked with, you know, you're rolling something out and they, you can see them get out a stick. They draw that line and, and they dig in. They're like, there's no way you're pulling my side of the rope over that line. There's just no way. Absolutely. And just imagine had you been teaching the same course um, for 10 years. And I've never been lucky enough to stay in a place long enough to do that. Um, right. Every time you move a state, there's new diff- there's new standards. There's new initiatives. Right. So I've had to start over many times. So it's normal for me. But I do have lots of colleagues that have been able to stay put. So imagine having everything laid out, how your year flows, every math lesson you teach, every history lesson you teach, your tests have been made. And someone comes along and says, nope, you know what? We're not doing it that way anymore. We're going to switch things up. We're going to look at it a little differently. So all that work, you're going to have to do over. And that's hard. But we also have to think of teachers as equal professionals to other professions. If the medical profession decided, you know what? We figured that out 10 years ago. We're not going (laughs) to do anything else with it. it." No one would be accepting of that. But for some reason in education, we've allowed ourselves to kind of be like, eh, we know how to teach kids. We've been doing it for hundreds of years. We're good to go. Right. After study after study shows us that what we're doing isn't working. We're falling behind each and every year of other countries that we should not be falling behind. And we're having to outsource it's, it's our jobs because we're not meeting sure. the standards. 
So it's right. a huge conversation that we could spend a lot of time on, but that's, oh, yeah. that's the pushback with anything is my job is already stressful. I don't want to have to recreate the wheel that I, I've been doing for a very long time. Right. Yeah. And, and in some cases, because they have been doing it for a long time, their wheel is pretty worn and it wobbles. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that it's not going to get you from A to B. I mean, they're, they're, I think the reality is no matter what class you're in, no matter what teacher's teaching it, you will get something out of it. You will pass a class. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's enough. But I think for other people, it's like, you know what? I don't want a wobbly wheel. I want a cool wheel. I want nice rims. Right. I want thing that to spin like it's I supposed enjoy to. enjoy the ride. You know? Exactly. We, our, our children deserve that too. They, they deserve to love to learn. And I uh, think saying yeah. that to teachers um, is huge. And yes. teachers love their job more when their students love their learning. Yes. No, for sure. All right. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation again. I, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to dive into this because I, 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 I want to see how successful my project is and how bad it is at the same time. So, um, so all right. So let's, let's talk about this now. Um, when I, when I interviewed Becky, mm -hmm. my principal, uh, Mortier, uh, she gave us, uh, you know, the Reader's Digest version of um, PBL. And for those of you younger listeners, Reader Digest was a nationally publication that came out once a month that had condensed stories and books that you could probably still find today. So <clears throat> there you go. Um, so what is PBL? And then we'll talk about that. And then how can that be integrated not only in, the, in, in a brick and mortar classroom, but in the virtual space? Um, absolutely. So PBL stands for project-based learning. So oftentimes we see in education, students are allowed to do a project after they've absorbed the content. So in my case, for instance, um, my kids have now learned how to um, calculate trigonometric ratios. So now I'm going to have them go out and see if they can determine the height of a tree. So that's after I've taught them everything, they've had a test. Now let's do something fun. That's traditional learning. Um, project-based learning is the students are actually learning throughout the project. So a project will last three to four weeks, sometimes even five, um, and it's sustained inquiry. So you're breadcrumbing the learning throughout the project with the end goal in mind. For example, one of our projects is an emergency preparedness um, project mm -hmm. that our healthcare explorations course has and it's it's about a community that's recently gone through a disaster maybe a hurricane tornado have you and they weren't prepared so there was a lot of destruction a lot of lives lost and the students are posed with the question of what could have been done for a lot of this to have been avoided so right. there's an entry event of some sort where the students are introduced maybe via video of look at this destruction. Kids still don't know why am I seeing this, what's going on, right. peaking their right. interest. Um, and then they're told a little bit more about it. Like you're going to be researching uh, safety protocols. You're going to be doing a few things so we can determine how this could have been handled better. So the students right. are given the, the charge of their learning. They have a lot more autonomy. So right. oftentimes there's collaboration. So the students not working individually, they're working in a group of other students. They're doing the research. Um, the teacher's role in project-based learning is 
as the students are doing research and working towards that end goal for the emergency project, for example, the kids have to go to elementary schools and present the protocols for safety. And they have to create pamphlets for the kids to take home so that the families get the information. But the teacher's role in that, the kids are working towards that end goal, but all throughout, the teacher is building in benchmark assignments to make sure that the kids are getting where they need to go. So if they see that the kids in Kansas that they're teaching are researching hurricanes, that might be an indication that they're not on the right path for that elementary school. Right. So the teacher at that point might say, okay, so today we're going to do some guided research. I've created a document that will help guide your research. Um, so it's not just um, non-structured learning, which is a huge misconception about PBL. It's right. very structured in the sense that we're not giving them the answers, but we're providing paths for them to find the answers. At the end, we call it the presentation of learning, um, presentation of understanding sometimes where the students will, they'll have a final product. So their presentation to those elementary kids, regardless of whether they're brick and mortar students or they're virtual students, they could do that presentation live. Right. The virtual world in elementary school. I don't know a single elementary school that wouldn't say, yes, please have your kids call in and educate our kids sure. about that. Um, and that's the authenticity piece of project-based learning is you constantly are trying to pull in um, community members or um, anything that's relevant to the student. It's, right. it's like that old scenario of a math problem where it's like if one train's traveling from California at this speed and the other train right. leaves North Carolina at this speed and you're talking to kids um, that live in Maine that have never been to either state and sure. have never been on a train. Right. So you've immediately lost them. They're like, right. I don't care how long it takes the trains to meet. Yeah. In project-based learning, we try to do something that grabs their attention that might right. actually be part of their life so that right. they're like, oh, I should probably know what to do if a tornado hits here in Kansas. Right. Let's, let's do this research. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's a nutshell of what PBL is. There's a lot of components. Um, but I hope that explanation explains a little bit more about what we're trying to do. No, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the thing too, in, in the comment I meant at the begin, beginning of Jess, if you have a job, you, you've done project-based learning. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the thing that I'm most excited about, not only because of the, the campus that I'm going to be affiliated this, this fall, but I, I want all my kids to, to develop and possess a skill set that whatever problem they are faced with, they can rely on a toolbox uh, you know, the, the educational toolbox, right, mm -hmm. that they can go into and, and work through these problems. And, you know, uh, I know I've shared with you, my wife's in marketing. Mm -hmm. Her world revolves around project-based learning, and it starts with an idea. And then, you know, then you, you, you're building things out, and you're sourcing information, and you're doing, you know, tests or case studies or, or what have you. And then, you know, you're going through a series of events, components that I love the breadcrumb uh, analogy. I'm going to steal it. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it really is. It's, it's like you, it, what's, what's so appealing to me and when I did attempts of project-based learning in, in brick and mortar, mm -hmm. it didn't have the same pizzazz as, as I'm really excited to see where this is going and seeing the steps that, students will embark on whether it's in an individual project or even a small group or big group project 
um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see the dynamic. And again, I'm, I'm somewhat critical in the standpoint that I believe, you know, working, you have to be, learn how to be a good teammate. I think that's a huge mm-hmm. component of project-based learning because let, let's face it, we've all worked with people. We tolerate air quotes, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, but those, those people typically are a challenge. You might be the person that's the challenge because you mm-hmm. might be very bullheaded or I think mm-hmm. we should do it this way, what have you. And, and I totally get it. I'm, I've probably been victim of that as well or the person that's been that person. So, but I think the, the things that evolve out of this process is, is so impactful. I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, going to science class and, 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 you know, doing your scientific method. I mean, that's important, but now when we start to bring in other people involved and, and I think you and I were talking and I believe you made the statement and I agree 100%. And if you didn't say it, take credit for it. Is All that, right. <laughs> is that, you know, peers, I mean, students do, do not want to let other students down. I mean, All I think right. that was yeah. the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I really think that's, you know, you now have this internal peer pressure mm-hmm. on yourself to want to get stuff done. Now, the reality is, is there's always one person in a group who is, there to socialize or is not right. going to do what what responsibility they have. But I, I think in, in this regard, if it's really presented properly, mm-hmm. you, you don't have that. The, the internal pressure on themselves to be a good teammate, do the things that they need to do, do, right. do their responsibility to the best of their ability. And then at the end of the day, it's all we ask for. I mean, we're not solving that yeah. for students to learn as they turn into professionals themselves. Um, sure. Yes, it, students will work so much harder for other students than they will for teachers always because they don't yes. want their friends to think that they're not doing their part. Um, right. And the other side of that is, you know what, it's okay if there's a group member not doing something sometimes because those people never go away. So no matter, <laughs> <laughs> no yes. matter where you end up in life, there's like going to be sock. someone that doesn't meet your standard. And sometimes it might even be you. So having right. those experiences um, early on in middle and high school and understanding there's always going to be someone that doesn't do what they need to do helps you prepare for when that really happens. And you're yeah. and it's, it's your job on the line and not just a, one grade for a class, you know, it, and that's how I always explain that. I taught a lot of seniors, um, in the last few years of my of my um, time in the classroom, and I'm, you guys are getting ready to go to college. Your professors are going to say, "Here's the project. It's due on this day." Right. So it's time for you to really realize this is part of life, and you have to figure out how to work around it. Um, and so it's a lesson, just like we said earlier. Project-based learning doesn't just teach content. If I had left the classroom thinking all I had ever taught my students was some theorems or equations, I'd right. be very disappointed in myself. Right. So that's a yeah. huge lesson for, for kids. Yeah. And, and, and if all I did was, you know, in the history class, just gave them a list of dates, gave them a map and, and just kind of rolled it out that way, I would, I would grossly, you know, misrepresent not only my craft, but my subject matter. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny to think back like when I was in high school in, and how it was common practice that, all right, open up your book, go to unit one, and right. you're going to read the section. You're going to 
define the words and do the section questions. And heaven forbid you had question number four with that stated think critically. Critical and you just question. ran around. Yeah, you ran around yeah. the room going, does anybody know what this means? I mean, it, I, I think back to that. And as a social experiment one time, I actually did that to my students. And the amount of horror that came yeah. over their faces because mm -hmm. number one, they didn't know how to use a textbook, which was like, okay, this is actually kind of a good thing. But they're yeah. like, oh, you could see like kids sweating and, and mm -hmm. nervously writing. And, and, but I think back is that's how I was taught, you know, world history or U.S. history. I'm like going, I, I, I couldn't even do that. Get away, I couldn't even pull a straight face if I did that on April Fool's Day. I right. mean, it's just, and, and I think when this pandemic hit, in, 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 you know, I, I belong to a number of social media pages that are for educators, specifically mm -hmm. content driven. And the cry for textbook help made me shudder. And I'm like, okay, the fact that you're clinging on to a tech, now look, textbook people, I'm not bagging on you, but I'm <laughs> bagging on you because come on, we need to evolve as, as an educational institution. Te Absolutely. I mean, and that's what we were saying. I mean, that's the pushback is, um, that's why, like I said, I started at a new tech high school many years ago. Um, and to still be explaining, uh, what the acronym PBL means is shocking to me in each job right. that I start because, um, change takes so long, but in education, it takes so much longer. Oh, yeah. Um, and so getting people to, to let go, of the textbook to let go of that stuff and just do something like a project, even if it's only one so that you see how much happier you are and your students are. Um, it's definitely worth it. And then, then you get the itch. So I remember having to write my first project. I hated writing my first project and it was horrible. I wish I had a video of my kids <laughs> and their first project. It was so bad. Um, but after you do it once, you kind of get an itch of, wow, like that was, that was so much better than, than any other way it could have been done. And how could I do that with this next thing that I have to teach? And your job becomes fun because you're digging for how can I make this better? How can I do it? Instead of what did I do last year at this time? Oh yeah, this worksheet. Right. You're, you're comparing lesson planners from last year to this year. Yeah. Tuesday, which is now a Monday. Oh, we're on unit two, lesson right. three. Yeah. It's don't even get me started on pacing guides and all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. It's, I think I shared with you mine, but it's just, you know, the, and it's interesting where I, I know some of my colleagues will follow that pacing guide as if it was dogma. Oh. Mm -hmm. And, um, where it's like, no, I'm, what, 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 what's cool, what's, what's going on that week? And that's what I'm going to focus my energies on. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, I picked that up at the last high school I taught is like, these are the things that we want to teach because these are the things we think are important. These are the things that we can connect dots to. It, it's not just part of the standard. It's just not on the test. These are things that are going to allow students to have experiences within the historical content where we can step out of our own shoes and put our, you know, put our feet into, you know, whether it be boots on the ground or boots in the air or a pair of moccasins or snowshoes, whatever it is, we're able to really dive into those deeper pieces of history because it's not necessarily linear. It's not necessarily, you know, 
oh, well, you should know what July 4th, 1776 right. is. Important, don't get me wrong, but I think there's so much more of that. Like, what about what happened two days earlier? Maybe mm -hmm. that's really the story in the story of July 4th, 1776, mm -hmm. you know, or did the War of 1812 really start in 1812? Did it go past 1812? Who's buried in Grant's tomb? These old Bugs Bunny questions, right? It's just these things that I think when we can roll into a project-based learning environment, again, which I'm clinging on to in, in a big, big way, is that we're now really, I don't want to say turning education upside down, but what we're doing is, is we're opening the room a little bit. We're pushing back mm -hmm. some furniture, allowing kids to really have space to maneuver. And as we harp on voice and choice, what better way to do that than in a project? Right, exactly. Because right? it doesn't have to be canned. Mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, material might be canned, but really, you know, you know art, music, mm -hmm. presentations, totally based mm -hmm. on the person or you person's personality. You learn so much about your students that way. So had I just done a whole unit in the textbook and here's the unit test, all I know is whether or not my kids know math. But let's go back to this emergency preparedness project. If I said um, we need to educate the community and you can do that however it feels best, I may find out that I have an amazing rapper in my class. Right. I, you know, I may find out that there's someone who's an author that I, I don't know these things about my students, but I'm giving them that that choice of you can do a PowerPoint presentation if that's what you'd like. Or if there's another way that you feel you could get this information out to elementary kids that it would click with them, do it. Do it that way. So right. I love that you brought up voice and choice because I don't think I mentioned that when I was going through my spill of uh, what PBL was, but it is one of the only places where you can do that with students and say, this is what I need you to, to do, right. figure out a way to do it. And it's interesting. So I'm going to kind of, you know, you know, open the door a little bit. My, my project that I'm doing this fall is on the Boston Massacre. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a writing component. My students will be a reporter for the Boston Gazette. And, and they're being charged with essentially researching the events. And part of that project is going to be also connecting dots to other events very similar in nature regarding the Boston Massacre, i.e. Kent State. We can even tie in something more recent as in, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests that have happened, mm -hmm. you know, this spring. It, um, one of the things you just kind of got me going here is, like, you know, as far as an expression, you know, using social media. So many reporters, mm -hmm. so many you know, are now on social media. So maybe they tweet something out. Hey, make sure you check out my story tomorrow morning in the Boston Globe, hashtag, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, Christmas Addicts, you know, whatever that's, it is, you that's know. amazing. Yes, we did yeah. that. We did a world crisis project in my math class um, where students were calculating um, where a crisis may get to if we didn't stop. So things like climate change and others. Mm -hmm. And we were constantly tweeting at the Environmental Protection Agency. As no. we were on that. <laughs> this is what we figured out and the kids would tweet at them and it was really really cool to see that that's that's yeah i mean we we obviously know the power of social media mm -hmm. now i mean obviously in your experience you've obviously done pbl in the classroom you're now have seen it work in mm -hmm. the virtual space are there any pros and cons is it really you know how the teacher sets it up and presents it um 
because obviously the presentation in itself now we know because everybody has had to probably work from home at some point this right. spring that in that you can work remotely with that mm -hmm. being said would you say that you can make the same argument now with the pvl portion of it whether it's brick and mortar or virtual yeah absolutely i would say um there's some parts that i've actually worked better in the virtual world um kids are very tech savvy so there's a lot of times when being in a classroom with kids and they're working in groups and they're face to face and that's wonderful but when the bell rang and they left they didn't think about that really anymore until they were back together at desk and the virtual world has really opened up um, platforms where the kids can collaborate anytime so if a right. kid has a thought um, later on that day about the project, they can go and add it to the Google Doc or the Microsoft shared document or an MS Teams that we use every now and then right. um, for students. So it's opened up collaboration platforms that as a brick and mortar teacher sometimes didn't necessarily come naturally. Right. Um, so I think that's definitely a pro of doing it, but it's also a con sometimes because um, like I said earlier with doing teacher training online, sometimes if cameras are off, you don't know how involved right. someone is. So if a group of students meet together and you do have one or two that don't have cameras on, you don't know how involved the kid sure. is or how much sure. they're helping when as humans, we can use those body language social cues very easily as the teacher yes. in the classroom where virtually we cannot. Yeah. So I don't think there's a, there's a perfect answer there because sure. there's going to be pros and cons on both sides of that stone with what we're trying to do and, and growing education. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, which, which goes back to kind of the essence of, of education is the environment you create in your classroom, that mm -hmm. it is a safe space that kids can feel motivated and confident to be able to express themselves in a manner that is reflected of themselves not fearing that they're going to be knocked down a few yes. pegs and and Thanks, um mm -hmm. so yeah so i think that that too has a lot to do with it and i, mm -hmm. I mean for and, and again in the virtual space as i have found out this past year um some kids are going to show up mm -hmm. we have no idea what they're doing but when they turn something in it, it's pretty good, right. you know, and, and yeah. it's like, and it's like, well, you kind of balance it. It's like, well, I, I you know, I don't want to, this kid's not participating for a reason and they, they can have their reasons. And when you have 200 students, you can't get 200 dossiers on kids, but you know, there's a backstory there that's going to pre prevent them from wanting to participate. Mm -hmm. But not only did they meet expectation, they exceeded it. And it's right. like, you know, and that you was, know. you didn't know. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if anything, that would still be the one thing that I will struggle with in the virtual space is yes. not having the opportunity to, to see the whites of their eyes that, that again, those social cues of body language, because, mm -hmm. you know, at that point, I can kind of become the puppeteer and get out of them what I want, because I can engage with them personally in the virtual space. Right. It's like, you know, it's the infamous third wall, right? And it, it just mm -hmm. makes it a, a challenge for sure. So Okay, so last question. Uh, we're going to look at a quote um, from Weston Kieschnick. Um, uh, he uh, has written a number of books, one of them being Bold School. I'm I sure you're familiar it. with this. Yep. He was a keynote speaker at the Model Schools Conference in uh, Orlando. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Did you get his new one yet? No. Yeah, him and his wife. Run, I guess it's on my it's on my desk in the other room. I, I've got so many books to read. It's yeah, he's great. Yeah. Great. So um, I saw him twice. He came to Laguna Beach High School twice, and oh, wow. um, I got to meet him. And I nice. man crush, not afraid yep. to admit it. Um, totally. <clears throat> he's he's a out very in the Arizona area, right? In that Colorado. Way? He's Colorado. He's in Colorado, just like yeah. me. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And have you listened to his podcast? I have not. Okay. Teaching Keating. They, they take a movie or a sitcom uh-huh. and then they talk about how it applies to education. It's amazing. You'll okay, love it. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> if not, I'll forward to you. So he says this in bold school, his, his mm-hmm. first, his first book. He says this engagement is more about what you can do for your students. Empowerment is about helping students figure out what they can do for themselves. So again, engagement is more about what you can do for your students. Empowerment is about helping students figure out what they can do for themselves. And, and just thinking about PBL, I think mm-hmm. PBL learning really, you know, hugs this quote with both arms. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, what are some ways, and again, we've kind of talked about, maybe we can kind of expand a little bit, like from an, like, like in PBL, engagement and empowerment are two very different things, Mm -hmm. but like, how do you see that kind of unfolding? Like, what does that look like in PBL? Well, we're hopefully engaging them from the get go with our, our exciting thing that we're grabbing their attention with. So for you, the Boston massacre, I mean, for kids at this age, you're, you've got their attention, right? Um, we're hopefully engaging them in that manner, empowering them in project-based learning. We do that in a lot of different ways. So one is their social contract that they have to have with their group. So as you know, if you've been in a brick and mortar school, when kids have an issue in class, they run to you and you're supposed to solve it. We don't do that really in project-based learning. The kids sign a contract. They do, that's the very first day of the project starting as they say, all right, these are the people in our group. These are our responsibilities and our roles. If someone breaks the contract, um, they can possibly be kicked out of the group and they have to take their resume to the other groups and hopefully get hired by another group or they have to do it by themselves. Um, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so that's the way I did it in class. I'm just throwing that out there. That was the rules in, in my math class. If you got kicked out, you had to get a resume together. So no one wanted to be kicked out. So that was um, empowering them because my students knew if they were having a conflict in their group to pull out their contract and try to work through it on their own. Um, they could not set up a meeting with me as the mediator until they had gone through the contract and had a conversation with the person. So that's huge for kids. That's uncomfortable oh, yeah. for adults to yes, do, to be in a group and have to say, you're the, you're not pulling your weight. And to see that happen and see so many kids, um, a couple of things would happen. A kid that wasn't pulling his weight, his or her weight may be like, uh, sorry, I'm confused. I really don't know what I'm doing. Right. So that was revealed. So that was sure. always helpful. Or a kid just was shy. And that moment of everyone saying, hey, we don't really hear from you. The kid was like, oh, you care what I have to say? Right. And you don't even think about that sometimes. You just automatically assume the kid's not pulling their weight, which is right. hard that we do that, but that happens. But there were so many times where group mates would come to me and say, hey, we reached out to Annie and she was just really shy. She actually has a lot of great things to offer. Right. But had they came to me immediately, I might've been like, hey, you're not doing your part. You're going to make a bad grade. 
Right. Yeah. You know, and that would have been the end of it. Right. But we're empowering not just the kids to solve problems, but other kids that may never get the opportunity to be a leader to step up. Right. Um, So I think that's one of the differences. And that's, I like that you chose this quote um, when I saw it because you are, you're creating an environment where they're expected to solve their own conflict. Right. And to manage and to time manage and all of the things that we do naturally as adults, we're not jumping in and saving them. We engaged them. We got them working on something exciting. Right. But then we empower them to take, take ownership of what they're doing. No, for sure. And I think the other, the other component to that, and again, going back to the, the skill set, right? The toolbox is, you're right. Nobody likes conflict. And those who do, they need, they need to lie down on a couch with a box of tissue. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those deals where if you can learn at, especially being a teenager, which is, you know, volatile to begin with, where you can approach somebody and say, Hey, I need your help. Or, Hey, can I help you? I noticed you haven't turned this in yet. Is there something I can help you with? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll be honest. I I, I didn't possess that skill probably until I got into teaching. All right. Or if I was doing it, I, Mm -hmm. if I was doing it, I I didn't recognize it, you know, Mm -hmm. as I was doing it. I mean, I think, I mean, what this is going to sound totally arrogant but i'm a good teammate i really am you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm gonna and and that's just kind of how i roll and i and again i'm a big sports guy and everything's about being a good teammate you got to fulfill your role do your job do your role to the best of your abilities and if you can't do it you got to ask for help and I, i think that when when we can empower our kids to be able to turn the chairs face to face not you know, just to the front of the room and they can engage in such a dialogue that what ends up happening is a number one, a conversations happen. Number two, things are being revealed. This is like our needs to needs announced. How crazy right. is that? Exactly. You know, but, but, but see, I'm learning, but, you but, you know, but, but it also, what it does is we don't know the relationships that can really blossom mm-hmm. out of that. It's like, you know what? I really work well with Billy Next time we do a project, you and I, and it's not like, and, and I would tell kids this all the time. I go, Hey, you're going to get into groups of four. You know, you make the mythical mistake of letting them choose groups. And I said, and you would put the caveat in. It's like, look, if you roll with your buddies, you better, you know, know that you, you and I was, and there was always be one kid who had a great relation, but I go, you know, Carson's not doing a darn thing in your group. Yeah. And so I would, I, anybody that chooses him, come talk to me, you know, and everyone would laugh, but it, but it's true. You know, yeah. you get your buddies together and like, mm-hmm. Oh, we can take care of it versus having, you know, the, the quote unquote four randoms, five mm-hmm. randoms. But now it's like, uh, uh, what are you good at? I don't know. What are you good at? And, but out of that, you know, genesis, if you will, actually breathe, you know, it begins to breathe and move and develop and grow. And, and again, those are the things that I'm looking forward to this school year. I mean, just really, I, again, this is going to sound totally wrong. I think I've got the engaging part down, Mm -hmm. but it's really now putting the tools and the things in front of these kids to really empower them and to really push forward that's what I'm really looking forward to this fall. And you will, you totally will. I have no doubt that you're going to get that for those. Thank you. 
I appreciate that. <laughs> I totally appreciate that. I'm actually, Andrew and I are meeting today about a lesson. So I'm just busy, busy, busy. Yes, so, I so, so I, I get to see you next Tuesday, right? Yes, sir. Writing mm -hmm. workshop Tuesday and Wednesday, right? I'm, yes, writing been, workshop. I've been badgering Becky for our schedule for the week, and she's like, I don't have it yet. I'm like, all right, don't, don't admit that you're the principal. Well, she was one of the ones that requested that uh, workshop, so I think that'll probably be... Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that she that was the only thing she told me. She's like, you yeah. better have signed up. I go, no, 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 I've been yep. ready to go. Um, well, again, I, I number one, I, I can't appreciate your time enough. You've been so generous to me as as a newbie, um, but I am the sponge. I, I can't get enough, so I, I I look forward to hopefully more chats, more I, nuggets yes, of your time. Absolutely, I'm I, so I, um, grateful that you invited me today and let me talk a little more about my passion. Um, it's what I love to do and I will always help out anytime. No, no, absolutely. Definitely a good teammate. So that's all we have time for today. Thanks again to Lavisa. Again, you can catch the everyday teacher podcast on Podbean, the everyday teacher podcast.podbean.com. You can actually find us on Apple podcast. Now I'm pretty excited about that. Um, you can just do a search, uh, the everyday teacher. And it's like the third one that pops up. I don't know why that is, but I'm not going to complain. Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter if you wanted to do that at PJ Pollock one, two, three. Um, uh, every Monday, today's Monday, uh, when we're recording this every Monday morning, I, I post the two minute Monday morning, two minute drill where I kind of go into a theme for the week. And today we talked about having patience with our educators. So uh, give that a shout. Uh, check uh, check that out if you can. But again, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, Lavisa. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, everybody. Have a wonderful day. All right. Keep learning. Thank you. Thank you.